morning. This morning we're going to continue our series, uh, pardon me, (laughs) we're going to continue our series this morning on when faith ain't enough. And I say that because it's such a peculiar um, title. I know it's making you wonder (laughs) what in the world is this pastor going to say next. But I want you to hear that title first because I want you to hear this scripture as if it's the first time you've heard it, which is difficult for all of us because we've all heard it. Uh, But I want to talk about how uh, where faith can be uh, where it ain't enough sometimes. And I want to read from uh, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at Genesis for the next three weeks. Uh, Today, uh, Adam and Eve, next week, uh, Abraham, and then um, the following week, uh, even more. Uh, Hear the word of God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. When he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, "Uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, But God did not say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Um, When faith ain't enough, I um, I came came across this this title for a series um, back around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I I had shared last week that that was just a really trying time for me. Uh, Loss of my uh, my best friend's dad. Um, just sad news after sad news after sad news. And um, it just never gave up, you know. Uh, tough, uh, scary news from uh, the doctors, 
that turned out to be different, thankfully. But the, um, th- those moments were real regardless. And I found myself asking some deeper questions about my faith. And I think what I kept coming back to is that in those uh, really trying moments uh, um, was that it didn't feel like faith was enough. And so it made me begin to think, well, how exactly is my faith formed? And so last week, we looked at God's faithfulness. You know, that faith is not something that we generate. It's actually birthed because God is good and faithful in our lives and loves us even before we ever turn our head to notice God's uh, love for us. That faith is actually dependent on God's faithfulness first. And uh, the the other thing I realize, and this is what I want to focus on this morning, is God's wisdom. Think of it this way in in thinking of God's faithfulness and God's wisdom. Imagine uh, just for a moment uh, a train with a locomotive and then a car and then a caboose. Um, And imagine that middle car is faith. And imagine the, maybe the caboose is our feelings. What is the locomotive that is pulling faith and maybe even informs our feelings? I think what I've been discovering in my own life is that uh, that locomotive really is God's faithfulness at work in my life, even before I'm aware of it. God's grace, God's love, God's, God pursuing me and you because God loves us. Uh, The other thing I would say that that locomotive is also is God's wisdom, that it's God's faithfulness and God's wisdom that is pulling, directing, drawing my faith in his direction. It's really interesting to me that as we uh, look at this, uh, if we go back to the beginning and we, we see these ancient stories about God, I know we hear about Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, but first and foremost, these stories are about God. Chapter 1 is about uh, God Almighty, God who creates the, uh, the heavens and the earth and, and, uh, and, and calls the sun a, a big light and calls the moon a little light. That is earth-shattering for that time in human history at a time that would say that big light is a God and that little light that we call a moon, that's a God too. God is saying, no, I created those things and I created you beautifully and wonderfully made. Chapter two is uh, a picture of this intimate God, this God that is not just almighty like in chapter one, But chapter 2, this God that is intimate and personal and loves and looks over Adam's shoulder to see what he names the animals, you know? I felt a little bit like that when my daughters were naming their hamsters, you know, like, oh, this is fun. This is beautiful, you know? (laughs) And then this uh, chapter 3, these questions that come, the questions come uh, really asking, "Is, is God really who God says God is? Is God really faithful? Is God trustworthy? And the scriptures say yes, not because they just say yes, but they show time and time again that God comes through for us. 
through the roller coaster of life, God comes through. And so in this moment where the, uh, the woman is questioning, is God faithful? Can I trust God's wisdom? I'd say yes. If faith is going to find a home, it's got to find a home in God's faithfulness, in God's wisdom. You and I can trust the wisdom of God. It's something that comes from another place. Knowledge is, is what we find here on earth, right? Books, universities, and that's a beautiful thing, and I pursue that to the utmost end. I love reading. But I also realize in my life that, that wisdom is something that comes from God to us and, and gives us a, an ability to kind of sort things of what's important, you know, where I need to spend my life the best. And, and God has, has uh, told humanity, yeah, you can trust my wisdom. You know, you can choose this tree over that tree, you know, uh, for your life. The question that the, the serpent uh, asks is that, does God's wisdom deprive you of what you really need? That's the real question. Can you trust God's wisdom enough to know that uh, deep down inside, you're not going to be deprived of God's best in you? God's wisdom doesn't deprive us of, of living the very best life for God and for each other. It says that the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. I think, the, I think that's the question is, has God been forthright? Is, is, God, been, is God holding anything back from us? The, the, the answer is absolutely not. God doesn't hold back his love. God doesn't hold back his care for us. God doesn't hold back uh, being faithful uh, to us. In that moment when they eat of the tree and um, it says that suddenly they saw themselves uh, as naked, it's not so much that they all of a sudden realize they um, are not wearing anything, the clothes, or excuse me, what they're saying is that the vulnerability is that they've lived with up until that moment, those insecurities, those vulnerabilities have all been met by God. And suddenly, by not relying on God's wisdom, there feels like there's this vulnerability to hide, to be afraid. And this is what is so beautiful about God's faithfulness. One of the first things he does is he clothes them better than they could clothe themselves. They, they sew fig leaves together. Uh, God gives them clothing. Just as God clothed them with security and uh, identity and self-worth, so God comes to the rescue again. That takes that takes faith that is hitched to wisdom and to God's faithfulness. It is a lifelong journey of trust with God. I love the verse uh, where it says that God comes walking in, in the garden in the cool of the day. 
as if that is the pattern of life that, that they were used to and could still expect, even not relying on God's wisdom and faithfulness, God still comes walking, strolling, looking for us, and asking deep questions. What makes you afraid of me? How can you, how could I uh, earn your trust and, and, and your faith even more? That's a beautiful God. Um, one of the first things that um, I remember when uh, Julie and I married, um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was walking past the guest uh, bedroom and um, she was standing on the bed uh, looking in the mirror. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And she says, I can't see my shoes. <laughs> she said, I can't see my shoes. Uh, I'm trying to see if these shoes go with the rest of my outfit. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> and so we, uh, we got like a full length mirror, you know, that we could put on the back of the door. And I forever have thought about that, you know, of how God sees us, you know. Uh, he sees every part of us. And, and even those parts that we're not too sure match up or go together, uh, God says, I love the whole person head to toe, even the things that, that are hard for us to see. God pursues the whole person I say this because one of the things we see in, in, in verse 20 is that Adam does something really peculiar um, when the relationship with God breaks from eating uh, from this um, perceived wisdom. He says he names his wife Eve. Now, at first glance, that just seems like, oh, well, okay, she has a name now. But if you remember, Adam was naming the, the animals, right? He was, there was a, a sense that he was taking responsibility and, and, say, even ownership of creation because he was to be a steward of it. But in this moment, he names uh, Eve. And it becomes this, uh, you could even point back and say, you know, that would be the time that we began to try to rule over each other because before that it was just God. But when we, when we forget God's wisdom, when we cease to, to live by his faithfulness and his wisdom, we begin to pick and try to rule and try to walk on each other, you know, to be king or queen of the mountain. These are the very things that, that Jesus comes to correct and heal and to piece back together. In John's gospel, uh, the first thing he says is that in the beginning was God. And he puts Jesus right there back in the very beginning. And he talks about this word that became flesh. Uh, he speaks of it as the wisdom of God personified, the very wisdom that you and I would read in, the, in uh, the Proverbs, he says, has 
moved into our neighborhood, put on flesh and blood, and has shown us the way to walk with God. And what do we see Jesus do? We see Jesus speak and love and heal and forgive and show mercy in ways that tries to put human relationships back in order where it's not king or queen of the mountain, it's just God and us. Jesus lifts up um, the one that is sick and says, this is a human being made in my image, deserving of my attention and grace. Uh, he, 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 he counts uh, women in that day as equal disciples with men. Remember where you see Mary and Martha and Lazarus and that little famous verse where Martha says, Neil, oh, Neil, <laughs> forgive me. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I feel like hiding behind a tree. Where Martha says, Jesus, <laughs> Uh, would you tell Mary to come and help me? And Jesus says, and where is Mary? She's sitting at Jesus' feet, which means that she's sitting with the other disciples, which means that she is equal to the other men in the room. And Jesus says, no, she's picked the better thing. She's picked the very best. And he doesn't tell her to budge. Jesus putting... God's wisdom, God's faithfulness and order in the world. He counts children, right? He says, yeah, come and sit on my knee, and he blesses them. And I'll point out one last verse, because I think it's so important um, to say. I know that there's that, that verse of Paul that says, uh, um, wives uh, submit to your husbands, right? The verse before that says, submit to one another. And that verse about husbands, the verb isn't even there. It's expected that we would treat each other the same as if it were the Lord. That's very, very different. That's, that's, that's earth-shattering when you think about it. The wisdom and faithfulness of God puts relationships to bear, puts, them, puts, puts it to rights. And it's all because of, of Jesus. It's because of his faithfulness and wisdom of being the way and the truth and the life. When Genesis says that there's this cherubim that guards the way to the tree of life, it's so that we don't live forever in these broken states. That we'd reach out and, and just live hurting each other. But Jesus dies on a tree, dies on a cross. That becomes the tree of life for us to begin again, to have new life, to see each other differently, to be about justice and mercy in the world like Martin Luther King, to transform our relationships by the wisdom of God, 
to be expressions of his faithfulness to each other. When faith ain't enough, we have to hitch it to God's faithfulness and wisdom in the world. It's the greatest thing going for us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and wisdom. We thank you, God, that that our faith has a has a home, has a companion with faithfulness and wisdom. God, help us to not only reach out for it, but to receive it, to be transformed by it, to treat one another as we would want to be treated, as Jesus said. God, help us to be expressions of that kind of faithfulness and wisdom and love today. It's in Jesus' name we all pray, saying, amen and amen.